Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. Um, I have this new little cursor and I get it over, if I put it over the video, sometimes it cuts the video in half and I don't quite understand why yet. So we'll figure out some of the technical difficulties, but that's our new open. Um, we have a really fun show this episode. Um, I don't know if one of the first things Kathy and I did when we moved here, um, we were living in Airbnbs and then it got too expensive. So we thought, you know, we might as well just travel since we have to pay full price for an Airbnb. And so we just went all across the state of Montana that last um, April and May, uh, just kind of to see the state. It's a new place to us. And we wanted to see it. So we went way over to Miles City and they have a Bronk and Buck horse sale um, that is world famous. And uh, this is where a lot of the rodeo folks go to buy their Bronken horses, their Bronken bucks. And so these are all, that's all it is, <laughs> it's Bronken buck horses. And uh, you sit in the stands and watch this and it's absolutely phenomenally amazing. So when I saw the today's show online, um, a couple, and uh, we're gonna introduce you to Patricia in just a second here, but um, they have 40, and she'll correct me on anything that I'm wrong, but 40 Bronken bucks. Uh, that they raise and they train them. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, she sent some video and we're going to talk about Bronken horses and what they're about. And, and then she has a really cool house. And so there's a lot of things going on here. Um, but I want to thank our sponsors tonight. Um, one of our sponsors is Fairway Independent Mortgage Company. Greg Hinkle is a mortgage lender and he's out of Helena, but he's also licensed in Oregon and Washington. So if you're looking to move here or move there, uh, he's the guy that can handle you. He, he's all about, you know, creating wealth for your family through real estate. So he can help you through that. He was just here in my office a few minutes ago. He's a great guy. He loves what we do and he loves sponsoring shows about Montana. And tonight is all about Montana. Also, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, uh, where everyone is welcome. And uh, Chris Dental is one of our uh, longest sponsors and our biggest sponsor. Uh, Michael Bratlin is a great man. Uh, he believes in freedom of speech. He believes in conversation and believes in storytelling. And that's what we do. And our other sponsor is Montana Oral Surgeons and Implant Center. And uh, I got to interview one of the doctors the other day. Uh, we'll be having that come up in April. Such a cool guy and really loves Montana and what it's all about. Uh, they'll tell you a little bit later. We'll have a little tiny commercial in there that they can kind of tell you some of the things they do. But one thing I can tell you they do is they sedate. <laughs> if I'm going to have oral surgery, I want someone who knows how to sedate me. <laughs> that's, that's one of my prerequisites to doing anything is sedate me, please. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. How do you feel about that, Patricia? Don't you think sed sed sedation is a good thing if you're getting oh, your yeah. mouth worked on? You know? <laughs> Just give me, give me something. I don't want to know. We so, do it for the horses. I don't know why we don't deserve it too. <laughs> so tell, how did you tell people your history? Cause you're from Oregon, right? Yeah. So I, I grew up just South of Eugene, little town called Cresswell. I um, know Cresswell. Yeah. Cresswell. We got Cresswell, uh, the coffee shop. And they yeah. were a former client of mine, Seth and uh, and his wife. Uh, that, that is so awesome. So you grew up there? Yeah. Do you ever jump out of a plane there? That was that was always the claim to fame was the sky jumping school. 
I'm afraid of heights. My <laughs> wife wants, she said for her 60th birthday, she wanted to do that. And I'm just like going, okay, I'll be in the plane and shoot you going out the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely afraid of heights too. And I'm always trying to find new and adventurous ways to get over it. It's not working. So. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I grew up in Cresswell and then I moved to Southern Idaho, um, when I got done at Oregon state. And so, you know, which way I land on the civil war there. And <laughs> he's um, a beaver. That's right. I'm a beaver. <laughs> um, and I trained rain cow horses for a number of years and then was a vet tech and ended up going back and getting my MBA and when I finished that, I moved out here to Montana. So what brought you to Montana? Well, what would make a girl move anywhere? <laughs> yep, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I kind of had a guess on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so now this is your husband. And what's his name? Uh, that's OJ Mortensen. Yep. Okay. And so you met OJ. You come out here. Yeah. And, and is he already training Buck and Bronx? No. So, um, he was a bareback rider, um, which is a, is a type of bucking horse. So there's two different bucking horse events, the saddle bronc and the bareback. And he was, the bareback is usually the first event in any rodeo. So while the national anthem's playing, they're getting stretched out. Um, and he, he's been in construction his whole life and we both, um, just have a deep love for rodeo and decided, you know, what the heck, let's do it. So what did you do? Um, so his he is cousins with um, Rasmussen's. A lot of people know Flint Rasmussen, which is um, the PBR rodeo clown um, entertainer of sorts. And his brother Pete, Flint's brother Pete, had a set of mares and um, he was kind of done doing it. And so we took the mares over and and leased a stallion the first year and just kind of went from there started having so, babies so you breed bucking horses yep we breed and, bucking horses so how much pedigree is there in that um well quite a bit now it, it didn't used to be that way but um montana like you were talking about the the world famous mile city bucking horse sale um that was founded by kind of one of the original breeders that started to establish bloodlines for horses um th their name his name is feek Took, and the Took bucking horses from ekalaka which is a little bit farther than mile city <laughs> east um those are kind of foundational bloodlines for for bucking horses and so to have that kind of be native to montana is a cool thing so where do you guys live you live outside of where outside we're of about 35 miles east of great falls okay yeah, we're in, in, it's a town called Highwood. Um, there's, I think the last census, there's 84 people in town. And if you get all the surrounding ranches and everything, you might get over about 220. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's, we basically have a bar, a post office and the school. And, and there's, I think about 110 kids total in the school. And this is your house. That's, that's our house. Yep. We have, we turned the mercantile building. Well, we didn't turn it. Somebody else turned it into a home. It stopped being a mercantile in 1980 is when they had the, the dispersal sale of all the cool stuff that was inside. Um, and then the next owner turned it into a house. Yep. And so does that right in the downtown heart of 
your we are city. straight across the street from the bar and um yeah the high woods basically all downtown <laughs> like there, that, there's not a whole lot to it <laughs> so compared to Oregon, what do you love about montana um well i could like i knew as a kid i wasn't going to stay in oregon um the rain was one um the politics maybe another <laughs> And so uh, <laughs> I, um, I absolutely loved Idaho, Southern Idaho. My mom is still there. She followed me over when I moved. Um, and the town that we were in is called Marsing and, and it's a great community. Um, Montana is a different kind of beautiful though. And um, what? How, how is that? I kind of explain that to people. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's because of all the moisture they get in the winter or, I mean, if you're in central slash western montana like you're on the rocky mountain front and it's it's just undeniably gorgeous like there's no no getting around that and it, it, i love the it, it's just big yeah i yep. mean you feel like you could go for miles and never see a person well so there's a town we do a lot of traveling for the um oj has three kiddos and for a high school athletics and so it, like a neighboring game is at least an hour away, you know, yeah. but one of the towns we go through is Moccasin and that's a game for us is to count how many people are in Moccasin. And the most we've ever gotten was three. So. <laughs> well, and, and you get out, especially where you are and out farther, you get out that, that direction, you know, to Glendive and yeah. you got these little towns out there and we went to win it. Have you ever oh, been yeah. to win it? We okay. play win it. They're in our, they're in our district. So we went in, we went, Kathy looks online and she finds the Win It restaurant, whatever it was, the cafe. Yeah. And it says they have the best hamburgers. And so we stopped by and it's just this red warehouse building. And I mean, you kind of look at it and you go, I don't know if this is really it. And we opened the door and walked in and all you see is F Biden <laughs> posters everywhere yeah and, and donald trump for 24 <laughs> and so i talked to the lady who owns the place and they do have the best burgers anybody should stop in there it's awesome yep. but yep. she said she knew how many democrats were in town and how many republicans were in town and she knew every one of them when they come in she says how do you like your president now <laughs> <laughs> it's just a different mindset people still have that old-fashioned you know what we're gonna have conversation and we're gonna talk yeah and, so and it's you, okay here. Like that, yeah, that's another thing is, you know, some of our, um, some of our best friends are, is a house divided. One of them's democratic and one of them's Republican. And we're, um, we're definitely conservative leaning, but I can have an absolutely civil conversation with her about politics and not have it be this tear down disgusting way that people talk to each other now. <laughs> right. Okay, so when we come back, I'm going to run a message. When we come back, I want you to, t I have some video you sent. And okay. tell me how you guys, because you actually train these horses. Yep. How to buck and how to not be, how to be dangerous enough, but not deadly. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, so hold on just a second. Okay. What is it about dentistry that just connected for you? Because I mean, it's, it's quite a jump from journalism <laughs> to to yeah. being a doctor. I'm not the most social person in the world, like like not like you, um, but I do like interaction with people, uh, and it's fun people being people's doctors. And I feel like I am a caring person, so I like figuring stuff out. I can figure it out. I can diagnose a tooth almost better than anybody. 
I've had people come in, they've been to three other dentists, they can't figure out what's going on. And I can, I, I like that. It's like, a, like being a, a detective. And you've also really centered your practice on buying American with your crowns and that kind of, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's really important to you. Yeah. If I could buy, if I could buy everything hundred percent American, I would, it's hard. Like I even told my reps, I've, I've repeated my reps several times. Like I don't want to buy stuff from China. I, I want to try to buy stuff in the United States. So my, my crowns are American. Uh, I even talked to the, the lab into making sure they buy all the products from America. Like we need they're doing just has a pretty significant need here in Montana. So the thing is that they been in dentistry for 17 years and I've been with our practice for about two and I have found that um, surgeons and doctors they just really love what they're doing just has a pretty significant need here in Montana so the thing is that they've really focused on um, a lot of tooth extractions like I said uh, dental implants is really their specialty one of the things that's distinctly different about an oral surgeon versus most general dentists or other specialists is that sedation component um, that the training to be able to safely administer sedation medications uh, is, is really advanced. And so our doctors uh, went through a lot of additional training in order to be able to do that safely. We have four locations actually. Wow. Yeah. So we have a location here in Helena, and then we will have one in Bozeman, one in Butte, and one in Great Falls. So if you're looking for an oral surgeon, uh, sponsor our sponsors, because that's how we get paid to do what we do. And that makes it possible to talk to people like Patricia. And so I've got a dentist from Oregon, an oral surgeon from Montana. I guess I'm just, it's all about the mouth for me. <laughs> Everything's about the mouth. So, so how do you learn how, to, like your husband, so he rode, so he knows how to ride a Bronco horse, obviously. Yeah. So how do you learn how to actually train them? And I'm going to show some video and you can talk about it if you want, or just talk and I'll put the video okay. over us. Okay. Yeah. So we start out with our babies. Um, we work them through the shoots and, and actually what you're seeing right there is one of the first things we do is we just open a shoot gate, let them go through the alley, find their way into the arena and, and just go at their own pace. Wow. And then, they'll circle around the arena and find the out gate. So part of that is safety for them. We want them to be zero three when four. they're doing their thing. Um, Cause a hurt horse doesn't really do us any good. And then we step up to what you're seeing here. This is um, called a dummy box is what's on, on their back. Um, Let me show that again. Yeah. It's zero, winded. Three, um, that one weighs uh, 15 pounds and it's just attached by a cinch, just like you would see on a regular saddle, riding saddle. And then um, we introduce the flank to them, which is a, a sheepskin lined leather strap. And that gets snugged up when they leave leave the chute. Um, <laughs> and that dummy Nine, box three, is four. actually on a remote trigger that um, OJ is the one standing above the chute. And he, he trips it um when they're they're doing when they're trying their hardest and so all horses saddle horses bucking horses um they learn off of the release of pressure so <laughs> put pressure on to try and get them to do something and when they do something right you take the pressure off and so that's the same concept with the dummy box um we don't necessarily go to eight seconds like they do at the rodeo when you're getting them started and actually at the faturities that they go to they they only buck to five 
to start with. Um, so that little that little box can apply pressure to the horse so that it so you're basically like Pavlov's, you know, dogs when you're you're hitting yeah. it to say this is telling it what to do and then when what not to do. So you're by, by how much pressure you put on that box. Right. So that but well, it's not necessarily the box that gets the pressure, but the it's the flank. So and the box is is hooked to the flank. So when you trip the box for it to fall off, the flank also falls off. Wow. Yeah. How did they Until come they learn that, that they got a release from that. And then the next time they'll buck a little bit harder because they know what will get them to the release. So what are people looking for in a bronking buck? Um, so most bucking horses, they, there's, I told you there's two different events that they go in, either the saddle bronc or the bareback. Um, so like that colt right there tripped and fell. Um, a judge would, would dock them for that score. So that's a, a dock in athleticism per se. Now that was that horse's first trip. So we don't really like, they, they've got to be able to get their feet under them. It was the first time they'd done that and, and they're just figuring it out. Um, but they want to see how much they extend in their kick. Do they fire out? Um, do they, some, some of them don't buck at all and just run off down the arena. Um, you'll see this, really she doesn't really buck that hard. And so her, we'll give her a couple more chances and then we'll probably break her to ride if she doesn't, if she continues that way. So we, some of them go really great and, and some of them not so much, even though they're all bred to do the same thing. Okay. So here's another, look at this. Yeah, that was, that was out of the story this summer. Um, and, and that, um, that colt actually earned a check. And so that was kind of cool. So, that, so that's, and you can, cause you, I mean, once you go to rodeo, it's a few times. I mean, cause I'm not like, you know, I'm not pretending to be like Mr. Montana, but I, my wife and I love the rodeo. So we've yeah. been going to Livingston rodeo for a long time and we're kind of understanding how it all works. But once you see a horse do the right thing, um, you, you know it, you know, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yep. You, you know, you know what a good one looks like. Yeah. Judges that are faturities, and so it, they they post up in different corners of the arena, and so they all have a little bit different angle as to the horse, and and they everybody marks scores the horse. So any score that you see at a rodeo is half the horse and half how the cowboy did. So you you want it? That's why they're so picky when that at the at the Mile City to to get horses that are you want some you want a horse that's going to put on a show. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and Mile City, um, you know, they're also running it as a as a sale, which is what the our our fraternity is a qualifier to get down to the Benny Binion sale at NFR, the National Finals Rodeo, and that's the same thing that they do down there. They they buck the horses. And then they they auction them off right then and there. And so that's what that's what the end of Mile City is too. Is is you get to to purchase a horse. So you guys take your horses there. Do you sell horses there? Um, we have our stock is pretty young. Like our four year olds, this would be the first time that they're old enough to go um, this year. But we've gone to Mile City before, and I've actually had OJ tear me off of the back of the chute because 
I'm an auction junkie and I like to run people up and I was getting out of our budget. And, but I was like, no, that guy's going to go again. He goes, I can't. Oh, so you, so you do, you go in there and just bid him up. Yes, I do. I'm terrible. Oh, you're awesome. No, see, if I had, if I had a check and I could do that, that and I knew what I was doing because you yeah. also have to know what you're doing. But, well, I'm uh, not going to tell you, I always have the check to back up. I've just been very lucky. <laughs> so, so you're a gambler. Is that a what little you're bit. Telling that's me? my that's my version of gambling. You'll never see me do slot machine in Vegas, but I'll raise a hand on a horse. So, what do you love about it? The broad. Um, well, I'm a crazy horse girl, anyways. Um, the bucking horses are are really awesome because there's more to it than a lot of people think. It's not just you put a horse that's naughty into the rodeo and hope that they buck. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's a lot of romance of rodeo. I think that's why people love it and, and doing things the cowboy way. And, um, we, we just really enjoy having them and working them. And, you know, a lot of times it's just OJ and I working them. Sometimes I, I'm working them on my own if he's not around and, and they're actually pretty cool creatures. So how many horses do you have? Um, we've got 26 head of babies. So that would be four, anywhere from one-year-old to four-year-olds, and then eight head of broodmares. And right now you guys are looking for a property. like Yeah, our our current lease, um, I, I don't know, anybody that's in Montana knows we've been in a drought um, the last two years legitimately. And so our lease is, is grazed down enough that um, it needs to rest for a little bit. And all the spring moisture is going to be awesome. Like it's going to come back great, but it needs to not have animals on it for a minute. So we're looking for some pasture for them. And who do you lease that from? Um, so a local farmer here. Um, so basically it's the ground that they own that they can't farm. And um, so we, we fenced it all off for them and, and that's kind of been our, our lease agreement, which was, which is pretty cool too. <laughs> well, so I think what a lot of people don't understand about, you know, cattle grazing and horse grazing is, you know, obviously you do give a damn about the land. Yeah, absolutely. Like if we overgraze it or if we demolish it, then, then it's not there for us in the future. Um, and a lot of times, like, especially with the horses, you know, they'll eat a lot of stuff that cattle leave behind and so it's actually kind of changed the dynamic of those pastures and gotten rid of some weeds and things that that now don't come back it's given the the grass a chance to really come back and grow again so on that horse how do you get it to buck is it the is it the strap that goes is it just does it just irritate the horse a little bit or get him going or what what do people don't know about this so the the flank is is um, a lot of people you'll you'll hear the misnomer that it goes around their genitalia, which is absolutely not right. If you look underneath a horse, it, it's not anywhere close to that. Um, it just puts some some pressure around their flank, and even like a, a colt that you're breaking to ride, as soon as you put a back cinch on them, like that that's just a an area that a horse has to get used to something having pressure on it. Um, these horses are also genuinely at this point bred to buck, like over the number of years, horses have been selectively programmed or, or genetically programmed to, to do that. Like ones that buck, those go into the breeding program ones that don't get made saddle horses. Like it's not there. It's in their brains to do that. It's like having a, a chocolate lab. That's a good bird dog. Well, they've been bred to do that. 
So, so they, they enjoy it. This is, this is like, well, like I think sometimes people, I did, I did a sled dog thing recently and I had some people going, Oh, that's so mean to those dogs. No, these dogs live to yeah. pull that sled. They, they're when they're barking and they're people going, Oh, that's so mean. I'm going, no, they're excited. These are like kids at a candy store going, let us do what we naturally were bred to do. Yep. Yep. And that's, and that's the same thing with these horses. Like they, they really do enjoy it. You'll you'll see a lot of them at, at a rodeo that buck after their rider falls off. They're still doing their job. Like they, they enjoy their job and, um, and they have a pretty easy job in the world of performance horses. <laughs> they only have to be out there for, you know, eight seconds and really crack out and then they're done. It's not hours and hours of, of riding and repetitive deals. And, and once you get a horse to buck and doing that, it's not like you have to retrain it to, to what it's supposed to do. No, no, absolutely not. There are horses that eventually do quit bucking, like, you know, if, as they get older or they start to not buck as hard because just like me being worried about my gray hair earlier, like you get older and, and things well, get creaky and hurt. And <laughs> I don't, I don't buck at the gym as much as I used to either. Exactly. You know what I mean? There's some things that I used to do and I see these young bucks doing it and I'm going, you know what? You're going to pay for that. <laughs> yep. There's these things that God made called shoulders and they weren't meant to do that. No, no. Rotator cuffs, knees, all the things. Biggest misconception about rodeo. Um, I think the biggest misconception about rodeo, it, it, hands down, is that the animals are are forced into doing what they're doing. And that goes from tie down roping to steer wrestling to to the rough stock into things. And honestly, like these horses enjoy their job and and they get treated very, very well. Um, they're also very, very valuable. And so it, it would be a huge misnomer to think that we're going to abuse these animals into doing something because they just wouldn't do it then. And, and do you think that um, rodeo has become has, has it just blown up in terms of popularity or is it just I don't know if it's just me because I've come, you know, I think 10 years ago, we started coming to Montana. We'd always go to the Livingston Montana Rodeo. Now we've got one in Townsend, East Helena, Helena. I yep. mean, everybody, and I think every little area in Montana just about has a rodeo, except maybe your little town. <laughs> Highwood does not. <laughs> um, it would be cool if we did, though. <laughs> well, you have um, you. You guys have you, so that's all the rodeo you need. Right, yeah. <laughs> um I, I think there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, the PRCA has gotten really huge and has gotten some huge sponsorships. And so those big professional rodeos, there's always that trickle down effect into the amateur stuff, which is a lot of the rodeos that you're talking about. Um, so it's just the more, the more it's out there for the general public, then the more it'll trickle down into to smaller stuff too. Do you sometimes laugh when you see... Um, because of Yellowstone, the TV show or whatever it is, uh, the series, um, all the really nice cowboy boots that come to the rodeo. <laughs> it's OJ's favorite pastime is to pick out guys that have their cowboy hats on backwards. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah, that happens well, quite a bit too. <laughs> did you did you see where the governor of Oregon went to? I think I think it was while she was running. Uh, went to the Pendleton Roundup and was in the parade, and she had her hat on backwards. Oh, that's and so they awesome. made so much fun of her. And I, I was going, you know, I would laugh, but I'm not saying that I would might 
do the same thing sometimes. <laughs> I do know there's a little thing in the back that kind of helps you put it on. Yeah. You know, I've been told, so now you can clear up some misnomers for me. So I've been told that you should not wear, I mean, I know some cowboys wear really, really fancy cowboy boots to the rodeo because that's like the prom. I mean, it's like the, a big deal. Right. But so, I was told you don't, you're supposed to, your shittiest cowboy boots are what people know. Otherwise, they just, you, you look like you stand out like a sword bomb. <laughs> well, if you're behind the shoots, for sure. Like OJ has, uh, most cowboys have what they call a rigging bag and it has all their gear in it. So okay. he'll have his bareback rigging, which is the, the handle that you hold on to. Um, it goes where the dummy box was on those Colts that we watched. Um, and he'll have his boots, it, you know, like, and they're terribly beat up holes in them split down the back, you know, all the things, um, pair of jeans. They have a, a pad that they stuff in their jeans. So their tailbone doesn't get smashed and all, all that stuff. So I guarantee you every, every cowboy there has a rigging bag in his pickup full of old gear so that he doesn't, you know, look like the new guy. Well, like I got some new boots from Murdoch's. They had a sale. And so I think I'm going to have to take them out and beat them up a little bit. Just get it, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to be that prima donna guy going to the, the rodeo. It looked like I came off of the set of Yellowstone, the movie. Right. No, you can't have that. No, that would be that'd be very un-Montana, people snickering behind your back. But it was kind of fun when I went to the rodeo here in Townsend and I walked up to the beer garden and I said, um, and this is last year. And the person at the counter had a, a badge on his you know, waistband. And I said, what, do you work for the sheriff's office? And he goes, I am the sheriff. And I said, and you're serving me my beer? And he goes, yep. <laughs> I said, that doesn't happen in Oregon. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I had one in um, when I was in Idaho. The, the sheriff in that town would make a loop through the local watering hole in the evenings, you know. And we were leaving one night and he asked me if I would take guys' cars home for them. And then he would give me a sh shuttle back to the bar. And then I would take the next guy and the next guy. And we we took like eight guys home that night. Instead of him issuing DUIs, we just shuttled them all home. Don't you think that, that right there, that is really the difference of living um, in, I think, I I think that that's Eastern Oregon would do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Idaho, you get into into this part of the country, um, and people are just much more chill, and it's mm -hmm. more of like you know what I mean. They have something here. I've been pulled over three times. <laughs> I, I take that eighty miles an hour seriously, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so I've been pulled over three times. One going twenty three and a fifteen. So that's I, I think that I should have been able to fight that one. But, but they're all, um, you know, and then they give you this ticket, like he goes, no, nah, I'll, I'll give you the $20 ticket. And, you know, cause I don't want this to go on here, but you know, just to warn you that you're doing this. And I thought, you know, it's just such a chill place to live where people, you know, are, are trying to get along. And I know people get tired of me comparing it with Oregon, but there, there really, there really is a relaxed kind of feeling like how it used to be back home. A long sure. Time ago. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, there's a, you know, what the Karens, there's not as many Karens here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or people looking to pick apart the things that you do. It's kind of live and let live. And, you know, they, they may look at you and snicker a little because you're still trying to figure it out and how to be sure. Montana. So yeah. have you, did, how long have you been here? Um, I've lived here full time for five years, um, but we bought the mercantile eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. 
So how'd you meet your husband when you live in Cresswell and he's a, a bull, a, a Bronco, right? <laughs> Um, I, I was I was in Idaho at the time and a mutual friend of ours had moved to Montana and she was um, booking fly fishing trips. And part of OJ's family has a ranch in um, Two Dots. Do you know where Two Dots at? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. So they've got about 30,000 acres there in Two Dot and OJ was running the summer recreation on it. And so she was trying to book some fly fishing trips uh-huh. and um and she met him and said um i have this girl that you need to meet and so he got really brave and and called one day and i didn't answer the phone because i didn't know the number and uh and so she she's like did that guy ever call you i was like maybe i said but he didn't leave a message or anything and so finally he did call back and leave a message and and I called him back and said, how hard was that? He goes, pretty hard. <laughs> so the first time you met him, did he ride in on a white stallion? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but he does have a pretty cool Palomino horse that he rides. <laughs> do you get do you get nervous when you see the chute open up and he's off? I mean, because it's that it's pretty, it's, it's pretty. Is that him now? No. Are, are you still talking to Rick Dancer? What are you doing over there? <laughs> It's um, probably one of the kids getting out of school. Um, like, you know, but but you get get nervous because that's it's really dangerous. Um. Yeah. So he he doesn't ride anymore. Okay. Um. I, well, I shouldn't say that. He has aspirations to ride again. He would like to get on one of ours someday. Um. But he uh, he was riding when we first met. You know, he he'd gone to a couple. He'd just get a bug and go hit a rodeo and do his thing. And yeah. So it, it's, you know, like if we know the stock contractor and we know their stock and, and we know that they're good in the shoot and stuff, then it's not quite so scary. Um, but hold on let me. And but if it's something that a horse that you don't know at all and, and it's, you know, then, yeah, bad things can happen. He um, years ago, long before him and I met, he actually had a horse run his leg off in the shoot and had to it all that was holding his leg on was the the skin at the knee he had totally tore every every single thing in his knee um and so he got to have that put put back together at one point in time in his life see cowboys i'm telling you cowboys and cowgirls toughest (laughs) people you will ever meet well he got on another horse they gave him a re-ride well of course he got he got on another one and one leg was spurring and the other one was just flying in the wind (laughs) Oh, but once you tear everything, it doesn't, it, there's not a lot of pain left, you know, like it's right. It, yeah. So they just tie it, just masking. Oh, duct tape. Yeah. Anything works with duct tape. So yeah, he's going to duct tape his leg on and he'll continue and ride another round and see what's going on. Right. <laughs> so tell people the name of your company. Uh, Whiskey Bent Inc. Yep. Whiskey Bent Inc. Yeah, I mean, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? If they have some land, do you want, do you have an official website or something like that? We do. Yeah. Um, whiskeybentinc.com is our website and there's a, a contact form on there. Um, you can also find us on social media. Um, not, we don't do Twitter, um, but we do have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok accounts. Okay. And that's how I found you. So you better go get your kids. <laughs> They're, they're losing their minds that I'm not answering the phone. <laughs> Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today and telling yeah. us a little bit about what you do. I love it. 
Yeah, thank you, Rick. Thanks for having us. We appreciate oh, it. You're welcome. I, when you in town or around or something, somehow we have to connect. I want to meet your husband and see oh, what you guys great. do. Okay. You can even come buck colts with us and get your boots dirty. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, so that Rick Dancer is going to become a frog in a bush. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you pull a couple flanks. And <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See my knee flying out. Yeah. Patricia, thank you. Yep. Thanks, Rick. See you later. Okay, again, so uh, yeah, if you guys are you know, in Montana somewhere, you have some land, uh, talk to them. If they, they're, they're looking for land uh, to move those horses so they can do the right thing for the land that they're on right now. So looking for some acreage for 40 horses or 20 at least. Um, so if you can help out near a Montana, um, get a hold of Patricia and the gang. Also, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage Company, our mortgage lender, Greg Hinkle right here in Helena, um, or right there in Helena. Uh, he can take care of you. Montana Oral Surgeons and uh, Implant Centers. Uh, there are other sponsor and Chris Stantel Family Dentistry out in Oregon. All right, that's it for this edition. Share it on your page because I don't think Facebook will have a problem with this, except, oh, they'll probably find something wrong with animals, you know, because we're riding them or something. I don't know what they do, but they always like to throttle us. So, you guys throttle back and let them out there. All right. We'll talk to you later. Share your page. See ya.